0: Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning and allow the Lord to do the work that he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. So we want to uh, go to the word of the Lord this morning. And uh, I want to begin a new series that we have now on Sundays, moving along in our prophetic bulletin that we have for the year, our prophetic calendar. One of the declarations is reformation. We feel it uh, intensely as a staff. We've been going through restructuring as a church. We're identifying that God wants to bring a reformation. And I want to help you begin to understand that message because it has to do with each one of us. God wants to do a reformation in your heart, in my heart, and the church as a whole. And we need to be at the front end of this thing and not follow the rear. Amen? Are you with me? And that is our goal, and that is our our destiny. And so God called us to be a forerunner as a church and to hear what the Lord is saying and to begin modeling it. It's the hour that the church needs to rise up. And even though we're a local community church, every part of the body is responsible to hear what the Lord says. So, I want to bring to you an introductory message today on Reformation, what it means. And so, Reformation, or reforming something, is when something loses its original form, it needs to be reformed again. Does that make sense to you? Okay. The process of getting back to the original purpose and the original design. Hit that reset button, right? Some things have reset. Sometimes your computer, sometimes some machinery that you're using has a reset button. And what does that reset button do? When you push it, it will reset it back to the original configuration. And this is what God has to do continually with mankind. How many of you know that? He's got to continually do it with the church, his people. He's got to continually do it with us each as individuals. And the reset design is Christ and Christ crucified. Amen? And so God needs to reset. We get recalibrated by the Holy Spirit because we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And sometimes what happens is we get conformed to the patterns of this world. We get conformed to the opinions of our flesh. We get conformed by the church's culture. We get conformed by all sorts of things. And the Holy Spirit says, Reformation time hit the reset. Let's get back in order. One of the greatest reformers that there was, in fact, Jesus says he was the greatest Old Testament prophet, and that's John the Baptist. Because it was his job to bring reformation, one final reformation to Israel to prepare the way for Messiah. To reform something in the Greek, the word reformation used in Hebrews 10.9, the word reformation means to make straight that which got crooked. We're off the path of what the church should be doing. And we need to make straight. And John the Reformer said this, Isaiah 40, verse 3, prophesied of his ministry, and it said, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness. How many of you know when the Pharisees came to John and said, say, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you that prophet? And he quotes Isaiah 40. How many of you would like to quote a scripture over your life? Right? Right? You can. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. Isaiah 60 has become your watchword, your word of reformation, to set at liberty those who are captive, to release the prisoners, to give sight to the blind. That is our verse over us. Well, John quoted his verse over himself. I'm the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God that's a verse of reformation he's crying to Israel God's people and he says make straight a path in the desert now why do you think that has impact to Israel you know their history don't you straight paths in the desert has a major influence to a people that wandered for 40 years in the desert are you done wandering Come on, are we done in our Christian walk and wandering? Gee, I don't know what Jesus wants me to do. I don't know what I'll be in my life. I don't know what to do. I will respond to the problems in life. I'll respond to this. God wants us to be ahead of that response and be proactive and be directed by his Holy Spirit. Make straight what's been crooked for too long. God wants to reform his people, and we've been walking around all sorts of different moves and different activities and different things, and it's time that we make straight a beeline to the work of Jesus Christ, what he's called the church to do, and get back to the task of that, amen? Amen. And that means each one of us, that's reformation, make straight, make straight that which is crooked and so God's calling us to reformation there's three key factors of going astray what typically causes us to begin winding and meandering and losing the form that the church originally was called to and the first thing that causes us to begin to stray is we forsake the word of the Lord This is our GPS system. This is our guidance. Of course, the Holy Spirit within us drawing us into the walk in obedience to the Word of God that has been revealed. The Logos is the Word of God revealed. The Rhema is when the Spirit quickens it to us and we activate it in our lives. we got a lot of people who have a lot of Word in them but no activation. Right? Right? You know what? The American Christianity has been taught and taught and taught and educated and seminared to death. We got so much instruction. You know more in Scripture than the average person around the world in the church. But we don't activate it in a and live it like the people around the world do. We've got to activate this and make it happen. We think that having the knowledge is enough. But knowledge puffs up where love edifies, love builds up. It's an action word. Love is an activity, brothers and sisters, not an emotion. And it's obedience to the word. So the key here is for us to stay in the word of the Lord, know the word of the Lord, activate the word of the Lord into life. Secondly, the second way we go astray is we find idols. We get attracted to things and we become religious over those things. They can even be good things, right? They don't have to be weird serpent idols and weird figurines. They can be other things, too. We're a very religious people. We Pentecostals say, ooh, we've got spirit and truth, we don't follow idols, we don't follow form or ritual. Yes, we do. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, amen. We follow rituals and form. We don't move until we've had one fast song, two slow songs. We don't know it's church until we take a collection. And we can't move unless someone says, hallelujah. We have our forms and our models and our modes. God wants to break out of religious structures, amen? Amen. And reform us back into an active life and response to the Holy Spirit. Let's break all idols and destroy them. Last of all, we lose our identity as the priesthood of all believers. We forsake our position in the earth. And we forget what our identity is. We're the bride of Christ. He called us to be the voice of God, and that the will of the kingdom from heaven would manifest into the earth. How's it going to happen? Through us, His people. So if we stand mute, the will of God is mute. If you don't move, the kingdom doesn't move. Folks, somebody's got to get this. We are the will of heaven. We are the kingdom of God. And we must move. Not the paid clergy. The people of God. We've lost our identity. Those three areas are the one reason that we need reformation. We get astray and become crooked. Now, the three factors in going astray, you can find them in Romans 1.25 as, as Paul speaks this out to the world, and he says this, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature... Rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts and impurity. There's the path to going astray. Forsaking the truth, worshiping other things besides God, and God letting you lose your identity. And this is what happened to mankind, it repeatedly happened to Israel, and it has happened in the church. Are you with me? And therefore, we need to be reformed. Hit the reset. We've got to get back. So, there's two points to being reformed you have to remove and restore. The only thing I could think of was the dentist. <laughs> Reformation means you've got to go back to the original, you've got to be restored, you've got to get that tooth fixed. You, you, you can't keep a cavity and be healthy in your mouth. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> We can't keep our idols and serve Jesus too. That doesn't work, does it? A total reformation means going back to the original form, the original intent. Amen? So you have to remove the idols... You have to remove whatever is causing you to lose your identity. You have to remove the obstacles and be reformed into looking unto Jesus, the what author and perfecter of our faith. Look at him and him alone. This is reformation being remodeled back to the image. And again, what is the image that we're to be walking in? The image of Christ Jesus. We forget that image. We need to, we, re, we model ourselves after the world. How many of you are sick of the church modeling after the world? It drives me nuts. Right? We fashion our music after the world. I thank God for a move in, in, in the worship realm that is seeking after the spirit instead of the songs of the world. You can hear the difference. Right? Top 40 Christian songs got the beat and the sound of the popular artists of the world. But I love music that moves into the spirit and is not trying to imitate the world, right? And it's the same thing with how we dress, how we move, how we act. We need to follow after Christ Jesus. And so this is the process of reformation. Let me give you some history on reformation. One of the greatest kings that brought reformation was Hezekiah. He did three things in his service and ministry. Hezekiah found the book of the law. The priest found the book of the law and brought it to Hezekiah, and he wept as he found and read the law again. It had been lost in Israel. Can you imagine that? That the word of God had been lost? No one was taking care of it. No one was caring for it properly. The people of God were not reading the Word of God. That's like being married to someone and having no communication to them. What will eventually happen? You'll break down in relationship. Hezekiah found the Word and began to weep over the fact that they had lost the Word of God. How about you? How about you? Have you found this word? Are you eating this word? Is this the thing you consume? Are you confused by the word? Then figure out what it means. Wrestle with it. Seek after it. Find the answers. We have enough tools and enough people to find what does this mean? How does this apply to my life? Find that word of God. And as he found the word of God, Hezekiah said, we've been missing the feasts. We must keep the Passover. Why was that so important? Because the Passover pointed to Messiah. If you miss the feasts, you're missing the prophetic significance of what God's doing with us as a people. And so we've got to remember who Christ is in the Passover. And so it was a foreshadowing. So in us, we take communion. Is that just a religious rite? Or does that remind you of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ? The healing that's provided for us in the atonement and all the promises that are yes and amen. And So we've got to rediscover as Hezekiah did the word of the law and he spoke it unto Israel. The nation had lost the word of the Lord. This nation, the United States, has lost the impact of the word of God on it. And as they criticize it, as they tear it apart, as they twist it and turn it, the church says, I don't know, I guess. I don't want to offend anyone by saying they're wrong. (laughs) Closet prophets, closet priests, we'll go into all of our own little buildings. We won't say anything. Let's just get together in our huddles. Come on. Imagine a football team that just stays in a huddle What's the referee say? Foul. Penalty. They need reformation. They need a new new coach. Don't get out of the huddle, boys. No. Second, Hezekiah removed all the idols. What was happening when you lose the instruction of the word of the Lord, when you lose the passion for Jesus, you start turning to other things. Here are the chosen people of God making idols and making animals, and making things in high places, and worshiping them. This is crazy. Hezekiah removed the local shrines. People were making local shrines. They were making images and calling them Jehovah. They were making, remember this with Moses and Aaron? They needed to worship something, so he made a golden calf, and they all went, Yahweh, Yahweh, moo, he's the golden cow. What image do you and I have of God? What image have we created of him? And Hezekiah began to break the local uh, shrines. He took down all the astropoles in the sacred pillars. The astropoles, those were sexual phallic symbols that people were worshiping and engaging in sexual activity in their worship to God. How perverse can you get as the people of God? Well, thank God we don't do that. Wow, I think there's stuff in the news right now about all sorts of activity in churches with sexual activity. It's ridiculous. And so where is the church? Uh, Hezekiah began to bring this. And it says that Hezekiah also broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses made. This is hundreds of years later. How many of you remember that story? In fact, Jesus referenced it. He said, unless I be lifted up as the serpent in the wilderness. Moses, if you remember, the people rebelled against God as they were wandering in the desert, and uh, they wanted meat. They were sick and tired of manna. And so they wanted meat. God gave them meat, but because of the rebellion and dissatisfaction by the provisions of God, he sent serpents to bite them so that they would wake up and stay attuned to God instead of their own flesh. And they began to die, and Moses interceded, and God said, make a bronze serpent, put it on a staff, so that when the people would look in faith to what is hanging on that staff, they would be healed and not die now what is that a reference to the cross of jesus christ right well you ever wonder what happened to that serpent israel kept it and they made a shrine out of it and they turned the one act that god had done for them into an idol and they began to worship the snake on a stick those many years after King David, after Solomon, all the way to Hezekiah, he finally said, i gotta, I got to kill this thing. That's religious idolatry. Now, of course, there's no religious idolatry in your life or my life, right? Remember that time God moved 30 years ago? Remember how great it was? Oh, if we could only have a move of God like we did 20 years ago. I remember back when. We got a whole bunch of people. I remember when we used to do this and we used to do that. Man, if your testimony is 20 years old, it's 20 years late. You, you're worshiping some snake on a stick. Come on. we're moving on past moves of God. I don't want to move on a past word of God. I want that thing to be so old. I'm at a new level. I want a fresh anointing today. Anybody with me? I need reformation. I hunger for a move of God every morning, new mercies, new works of God. I want to have a breakthrough with God today that's fresh and new. Thank God for what he did in the past hezekiah said let's get rid of this serpent man it's time for something new amen and then thirdly he restored the priesthood here you have the entire levitical priesthood in the temple and the temple was in ruins there were shrines and idols in the temple of god but again what do we do in churches Have we turned them into programs? Have we turned them into arenas for entertainment? Or are these the places where God moves and we're hungry and we cry out for God and it's here that we are restored and strengthened and we go out to reach people? So it's the reformation that Hezekiah brought to Israel to get back to the word of God in his feasts, to remove all the idols and to restore the mediation between man and God so there is a present activity of the rhema now prophetic move of God. Anybody with me on this? And as we're going through this, please evaluate your own life. Josiah was another reformer 75 years later after Hezekiah. Guess what happened? They went back to their old ways. How many of you know the flesh will always go back into the form and pattern of self? That's why Jesus had a remedy for the flesh. Kill it. Kill it. He said, crucify it. That's another word for kill it. There's nothing good that is in me, Paul said, that is in my flesh. And so he separated himself from his flesh, from the spirit man of God, and he knew he had to kill his flesh. Josiah, 75 years after Hezekiah, found the law again. They lost the word of God again. They put it on a shelf somewhere, and nobody bothered to pick it up. There's a people responsible to be stewards of the word. Paul said in Romans 5, we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Guess what? The world doesn't know the mysteries of God. They don't understand God. We've got people in the church who know the word but still don't understand God. We've got to restore the law. They found it and Josiah, again, he ripped his clothes, he rent his garments, which is the deepest form of sorrow and repentance that a Jew could give. And he fell on his face before God and they studied the law again and he had it read to all the people so that they would know that we have promises from God that we haven't even been calling on. There are promises for your present situation that you have to understand are there he then removed all the idols again because idols grow back now they were even worse than this he got rid of the Molech. this idol came into israel and Molech is the is the idol that the people began to sacrifice their own children to this god these are the chosen people israel who had a living God and a knowledge of Him, but they chose a metal image that they would take their children as they stoked the fire inside this bronze image that was huge and had its hands out. They'd put a fire in it till it was red hot and they would put their own children into the hands of this idol and they fried and burned to death in worship to God. And what do we do as this world continues to kill children and abort fetuses and children and infants? They're infants in the belly. They're children. Those are human beings. And we say, isn't that a problem? Doesn't it? 75% of the United States says they're Christians. And since 72, Roe v. Wade has continued without any interruption. How does Does that equate in your math? If 75% of the population says we follow the word of God, but since 72, we've allowed people to kill children. I'm a little confused. Are you confused with this? We can't get enough Christians to go to a voting booth, let alone destroy the Molech images. He also, it says, tore down all the shrines that Solomon built in the temple for all of his wives. He removed all the idols that Solomon... And then here we go again. He then also destroyed the golden calves that Jeroboam put up. Because if you'll remember, the two sons of Solomon got into a civil war. Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And Jeroboam took the ten northern tribes and he set up two golden calves so that the ten tribes wouldn't go back to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts of the Lord. And all the way until this time, they kept them there. And Josiah said, are you kidding me? Are you serious, Israel? We've been putting up with this this long. He tore them down. But we've got to ask ourselves, because we're in the environment. You've got to think of yourself as Israel. There are people growing up under this. They don't know any different. Right? They don't have the word of God. They walk into the temple. They walk in and they see all the shrines. That's what they grew up with. How, we've got to evaluate ourselves and get back into the lens of the New Testament church and say, how far have we strayed from what the church should look like? But we grew up in this. We need to be reformers. We need to understand what the church should look like. And last of all, he got the priests and restored them back into worship. They had disbanded from their worship that David had established for them to worship 24-7 and to be priests of worship and mediation between God and man. The three areas again. Well, let's fast forward to the church of the, of the New Testament. There was a time after 1,400 years of the church, it went through a couple different things. It went through a major schism between the Orthodox Church split in two and then after a while the the roman church gained influence and power so much so that we almost lost the simplicity of the gospel and god raised up reformers he started with men like wycliffe and huss who began to put the word of god into the common man's language do you know that the church burned them at the stake because they would dare to take the word of God out of Latin and put it into German or put it into English and put it into the common man's language so that the church could know the word of God, but it had become lost because it was only for certain people to have. And these reformers were reading it and saying, no, this must not be. And so Huss begins to translate. Wycliffe begins to translate. Tyndale begins to translate. And the church itself kills them. To where then Luther and Zwingli begin to reform the church. Martin Luther was an Augustinian monk who was a priest. He was a problem. They sent him over to uh, Wittenberg, some small little church in a, in a German town. And as, as Luther is studying the Word of God, he's looking at the Word of God. As he's discovered the Word, he begins to look at the church and he realizes there's idolatry in the church. And, and he sees Johann Tetzel uh, trying to raise money for the cathedral in Rome, St. Peter's Cathedral, and he's starting to sell indulgences. And so for 50 bucks, you can get a permit to forget, forgive your adultery and, and forgive your stealing and forgive this, and people are buying indulgences so that they can get out of hell for free. He says, this is anathema. This is an offense to the cross of Jesus Christ. And then churches are famous now because of the relics of the saints that they have. And so the power is in the bone. We've got St. Peter's fingers. Yeah, well, we have. We have Thomas's uh, femur leg. We've got this guy's cloak that he wore, and whatever your relic was, that made your church famous, and people would flock to it, and, and Martin Luther's going, "We need reformation. He never had the idea that he was going to split off or start a new church. That was not his point. His point was one church, let's get back to God. But what happens when they don't agree with it? And you have to make this decision in your personal reformation. What if someone doesn't want you to reform? What if someone doesn't want you to become a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? How dare you buck the system of what the church is? I don't need the form of religion. I need to follow Jesus Christ and be a student of His. Luther was so upset, he, took, he wrote down 99 theses and he nailed them to, uh, on, the, on the door. Uh, of the Wittenberg Church, and, and, and he nailed it there for discussion, to start having a conversation with the common people, and the priests got pretty upset with this. He was a little sarcastic. If you understand Martin Luther, he was a bit crude. And, and some of the things he, he put up, kind of lampooning the relics of the church, he said, I have a couple feathers from the Holy Spirit. I think that's kind of funny. But he began to discuss the selling of indulgences, the concept of purgatory, the concept of relics, and and how someone gets saved. And these 99 Theses got him in so much trouble. But it was time for reformation, and God called him to the forefront. And what it did is it called for a restoration to the Word of God. And as Martin Luther began to preach, he began to say that the only authority is the Word of God and not church tradition. He began to call for the removal of idols and stop worshiping at shrines and stop worshiping relics. But worship in spirit and truth the true living God. And he began to call for the priesthood to stop this laity clergy thing. And the Protestant Reformation brought... Protestant means protest. The protesters against this form of religion wanted reformation of the church. And so that there is the priesthood of all believers... Not an elite class versus the common people. But we are all priests and kings and prophets of the Lord Jesus Christ. He hit the reset button that's found in this book. Now how about you? Are there things that you need to reset? And so out of the Reformation came the five solas. Sola means alone, only. And the five solas is this, that Scripture alone is our rule for life, our highest authority. He said, sola fide, or faith alone. We are saved by faith through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no other works or nothing else added, it's faith alone. He said, it is grace alone. We're saved by the grace of God. No works lest any man could boast. It's by the grace that we are awakened and establish faith in this word that God has given us. He said, it is Christ alone. The work of Christ on the cross is complete. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. It is Christ alone who saves us. And last of all, it is the glory of God that we live for. It is God alone that we worship. Well, I'm telling you, this is the history of the church, and since the 1500s, we've had a reformation, but it is time for a new reformation. God is moving His church into the final stages, and we are at the place of a new reformation because we've gone into crooked paths, and we need to make straight the path. The church is beginning to wake up, but I'm telling you it's going to be a remnant of people. We see it already. Denominations are crumbling. The number of people that are leaving the church in the United States and in Western Christianity is by the droves. Pastors are leaving churches, churches are closing every day, and we are not establishing new churches to, to take up the slack of where we are closing churches. The nunners, they don't go anywhere. They say they're believers, but they're so sick of the form of what a church is that they don't even decide to go to church anymore because of the politics and the foolishness that are in the pews. We've become a service-oriented program. We come to church to see what they're going to give us, and if we don't like it, we'll go shop around somewhere else. Didn't like the music today. I didn't get a call from the pastor. Did you answer the phone to Jesus? He's been knocking on your heart 24-7. How about you respond to him? We need a new reformation, and the church is dying on the vine, and this program is just about out of fuel because it's been fueled by the efforts of man. And we have got to look into the Word of God and get back and be reformed to the image that the church must be. And so let's take a look at what that is. Dusting off our Bibles, going back to the Word of God and activating that word in your life. Again, I know you've studied, I'm hoping you've studied the word of God. You know, it's a different day. I've made references today to Hezekiah and Josiah, and many of you have no clue who those people are. And I'm not trying to diss you. All I'm trying to do is provoke you, challenge you. I'm supposed to, according to Hebrews, spur you on. Do you know what a spur is? Has anybody seen a Western lately? jingle jangle and what do spurs do huh how do you use a spur on a horse Uh, it is my job to poke you it is the holy spirit who is the ox goad that you kick against and so brothers and sisters are you in the word of the lord or are you waiting for me to feed you once a week it's not enough the word of the lord we need to go back what has happened is we have become, the Western church has developed such a a Greek mentality that we've lost the Hebrew mindset that this book was written in. The Hebrew mindset is this. If you believe, you will act. If you hear the word of the Lord, you will obey. The Greek mindset is, I can have a mental cognition of what it means, but I may divorce myself from acting that way. We've made salvation by faith simply a mental recognition of Jesus, but we don't live for Him. When will we as a people get back to the sense that if you know the Lord, then we need to act and respond? That when we have a conviction of God, we will repent. That means to turn from our ways. And it doesn't just mean change my mind. It means change my life. Amen. We've developed reason over inspiration. We reason everything out. We approach this as a science textbook, or we approach it as a math book, two plus two, this and this and that, and we reason it out. Well, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And God says, I don't think like you think. And the reason doesn't make sense to you is because I'm not going to move the way you want me to move. I need you to move the way I want you to move. We move by inspiration. Sometimes that feels odd, but it's the way God's going to have us move. We've moved to philosophy instead of revelation. We think that this is Christianity is just a form of thinking in a way of behavior. When Revelation says we're a new creation, a new being, you've opened up into the reality of a spirit realm and a physical realm, and the greater reality is the spirit realm. Yes, it is. Instead of studying daily in the Word of God, we come weekly, or well, now church attendance is once a month, For a sermon here and there. So brothers and sisters, if you want reformation in your life, you've got to reset back into this. Make a determination today that you're going to read the Word of God daily. This thing activates. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will just begin to activate your spirit and bring it alive. And you're going to hear things you've never heard before. It's amazing to me as I daily read this Bible, I'm reading verses and going, that was never there before. I never. I, where did that come from? Did you know this? I didn't know this. Did you see this thing? How did that happen? God begins to activate and and buts in the word of God. <laughs> The simplest words, he begins to activate, they come alive to you, and then later that day, there is reference in your living to that alive Word. It becomes rhema. It becomes alive. If we're going to have a reformation, we have got to become interactive with the Word of God. Secondly, we've got to get rid of the idols. We've got to get rid of what we think church is and get back to what the Word of God says the church is. We've made the church buildings. We've made the church a scheduled meeting instead of the reality that we are the church, the body of Christ. We're more concerned of what happens in the building instead of what happens out of the building. The church is on display 24 /7. We've made it an idol inside, an interior. We've kept from uh, we've never been able to break this clergy-laity thing. That has got to go. There is no clergy laity. There are people who have callings and giftings, and we all have them. And we're going to begin to understand what they are and how to move those things. We've developed programs instead of true worship. We've developed attendance instead of community. We've kept control instead of freedom. And we control the move of God's Spirit instead of letting Him have free reign in our own lives. We've taken convenience over righteousness. How many of you know that righteousness is not convenient at times? We've got to break the idols down. Holy Spirit, would you begin to illuminate to us the idolatry in our own lives and in this church would you dare pray that with me over this church amen last of all the priesthood we need to get back to the word of God and see how God has equipped his church to do the work of saving this world we've forgotten why we're here we are under a commission and a command of God to make disciples of all nations, ethnos, and people groups. There can be no prejudice in the body of Christ. If we are to reach with this gospel all ethnos, you know, we read nations and we think, oh, well, maybe I'll go to Italy or maybe I'll go to Africa. It's not the borders of countries, it's the ethnos in the Greek, it's the people. To make disciples of all people groups, and they happen to be your neighbors and your co-workers. Well, I wasn't called to go to Germany. Yes, you were. There's a German guy two cubicles down. Talk to the man about Jesus. Make disciples of all ethnos, all peoples. If he wants you to go to Germany, go to Germany. But wherever you're at, this commission that we are under, we are called to do this work. And so he says, I have equipped you with a five-fold ministry, the very DNA of Christ himself, that some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastors, some are teachers. That's all of us. That's not a few select that we pay to do the job. It is all of us moving as the body of Christ. We're the priesthood, it has to be restored. Your priesthood, your pulpit is where you work, where you drive, where you walk, and where you live. We're to make disciples, not dependents. You should not be dependent on me to lead you in the ways of Christ. The Spirit does a much better job than I do. And I can tell you that if you stay around long enough, I will disappoint you. Assuredly. And some of you are surprised when I do. Don't be surprised. You won't be with the Holy Spirit, though. We need a life of worship instead of a worship industry. We need transformation instead of behavior modification. We've been born into a kingdom. We didn't join a church. We need to win the lost instead of entertaining those who are found. It's time for reformation. And our reforming is around the cross of Jesus Christ. Like Hezekiah, like Josiah, like Martin Luther, like John the Baptist, it's time to straighten up and fly right and get back to the form of what the church is, and that's what we're going to do, and that's what we're going to work on. Now, a lot of people don't like this. They're not going to want to get into this work because it is going to cause trauma to the status quo of how you just got everything arranged. And the Holy Spirit comes and He says, this ain't going to fly. And He changes the furniture that you've just dusted and put in place. And he's going to rearrange your furniture to say, this is where the lampstand belongs. This is where the Ark of my Covenant belongs. This is the holy place that I have established. And you need to take that thing out of here. And so, if you're ready for this, it's time for reformation. And if you would agree with that, would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Oh God, stir in us your people. Stir in us, Lord, this work. God, I call out to the people of God that it is time for your own personal reformation to go back to the Word of God, to remove the idols in our life, and to identify yourself as a priest, prophet, and king lord i put this pronouncement on this church that we would stop playing games and we would stop conforming to a western concept of christianity and we would go back to the book and the identity that we are in would you pray this prayer with me christ community people of god dear jesus Jesus. i invite you to reform my life. Get me back into the image of Christ Jesus. Help me identify all the idolatry in my life. All the wrong thinking I have. And establish my identity as the bride of Christ. I invite you into my life to reform me to reform this church so that we might be a New Testament church for this day and this hour in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.